turning your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 4. We are continuing to go through the book of Matthew together, uh, looking at the, the life and the ministry of Jesus. And it's profound. It's been really cool to see what Jesus has been up to in this particular part of his ministry life. You know, as a young kid, uh, I spent my summers swimming at my grandparents' pool. Loved it. Great memories with that as a kid. But with that, uh, one of the things, this may have happened to you, have you ever had a time where maybe you were too young to swim, didn't know how to swim, and then you walk into the deep end of the pool? That happened to me, right? You just go, and then all of a sudden, boom, you're like, you are in danger, right? And I had a, luckily, I had a cousin that was right there that saw me, that jumped in, got all their clothes wet, fit, you know, held me up, fished me out, practically saved my life, right? Well, last week, uh, my son Beckett had a similar experience. We were, at a, we were at a hotel, and we were swimming in a pool before uh, my son's baseball game, and, uh, and Beckett was really nervous getting in. He was like kind of taking little step by little step by little step, and the shallow part was totally fine for him. And so the kids are trying to—his older siblings are like, oh, it's okay. And so they bring him down, our little five-year-old dude, and he steps on the shallow end, and he's like, oh, like I'm safe. Like this is fine. This is good, and he's having a blast. Well, he gets out of the pool, has a cracker or something, then he's like, okay, I'm going back in, but he goes in a different way. He goes in and walks into a part that's just a little bit deeper than where he was before and uh, over his head, right? So he steps in and then Beckett's gone, right? We're watching him. Everything was safe. Like, I mean, it's, am it's amazing how fast you can move in that moment. And it's amazing how slow time feels like it's going in that moment at the same time. And so, you know, Beckett's move and he's trying to get it he can't get out I get down and I pick him up and 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 grab him I'm you know looking back on those things I was so thankful uh that my cousin didn't think well I got my clothes on that they just jumped in and got me right and I'm and I'm very thankful that I saw Beckett move into that dangerous situation which would have been really dangerous for him that I was there that I saw it and I immediately and I was able to jump in and make a change and be able to give him some help. When we follow the ministry of Jesus, we see Jesus with that kind of heart. We see Jesus with a heart that is ready to quickly meet needs, pressing needs, difficult needs, hard things, dangerous things, messy things. He wasn't scared of being near people that needed help. He wasn't scared of messy people like you and like me. Our, our big idea today is that Jesus loved and cared for messy people. And we are messy people ourselves. And we are called to love and care for other messy people the way that Jesus did. So we're going to copy Jesus. And we're going to see what Jesus did with his ministry. We have it right here in the passage. Just go ahead and look at it. Matthew 4, verses 23 through 25. And Jesus went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout Syria, and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures and paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis, and from Jerusalem and Judea, and from beyond the Jordan. Oh God, would you be with us as we look at your word? God, we thank you for the, the life and the ministry of your son, Jesus. God, we thank you that he has met us in our times of need. And God, I just pray for my friends that are here that are going through difficult things. And I'm sure that every one of us are on different levels. 
God, I pray that we would be encouraged that you aren't scared of us, that you meet us, that you invite us in. God, that we would give those things to you, that we would be changed, uh, and that you would be honored. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So there's three things that we see from this really kind of short part, uh, this this account of Jesus' life. Three things that I that I think directly apply to us and how we can live as Christians, as followers of Jesus. The first thing that we see is that Jesus taught God's word. Jesus teaches God's word. And we love and care for each other the way Jesus calls us to with the word of God. Verse 23, Jesus went out through all throughout all Galilee, the big region, and he taught in their synagogues. Just for background's sake, Jesus, for context, is a religious Jew. He is a Jewish man. Uh, he has grown up in the Jewish customs. He is a religious Jew. He is a devout Jew. He is a perfect Jew. Never sinned one time. Completely followed all the laws. Completely did everything correctly. Maybe not the way that people would have wanted it. We'll talk about that later in his life. But he always did it the way that it was supposed to be done. He's a religious Jew. And in Jesus' ministry, he ministers to three different groups of people. One is the Gentile group of people, non-Jewish people, people from outside that have moved into the greater area. There were Hellenistic Jews that were Jewish by birth, but then either through marriage or through actions or things like that have kind of separated themselves. They're non-religious Jewish people. And then there's religious Jews, people that are devout and are trying their best to follow after the ways of the Old Testament, the ways of God, to be faithful to those things in the Jewish traditions. In this, this particular area, Jesus is ministering to religious Jews, people that are trying to follow the way of God, the way of the Old Testament. And at the synagogues, this is the place where people would come kind of throughout the regions. They had one in every town. This is a place for religious Jews to learn and to study and to argue the Old Testament scriptures and their interpretations, what that applied to today. And so this is where Jesus goes to minister to the people. He went to the people at their place of worship, and he also went to the scriptures, and both are important. Jesus taught in the synagogues the scriptures that spoke about him. He taught them the Old Testament and how it pointed to what he has done and what he was going to do. Do you know Old Testament is quoted a third of the time in the New Testament, that a third of the New Testament passages are either directly quoting or alluding to an Old Testament passage. 33%, pretty amazing. That two-thirds of the Bible, that this chunk of the Bible right here provides us beauty and context and the character of God and incredibly powerful things. And the more that you read and understand the first two-thirds, the more powerful the life, of the life and ministry of Jesus becomes. Let me explain. Um, how many of you are big Marvel fans? Like big Marvel fans, okay? Like, yeah, okay, cool. So I am not. They're fine. They're like airplane movies for me. Um, and I don't say that to disparage you. I'm just telling you where I'm at, okay? And so I watched, uh, I watched the Endgame. I watched Endgame, and I, and, and I got done with that, and I was like, yeah, it was a nice movie. And I moved on with my life, Right? But I have some friends that are on a different part of the spectrum of Marvel fandom than I am, right? They've, they've watched the movies multiple times. They've read the blogs. Like, they've studied. They've cross-referenced. And so when Endgame came out, I was telling them, I, I just said, yeah, it was fine. And they're like, fine. 
like they're like the ties in here ties in here ties in it's here here it it was amazing mind-blowing right well that's the bible that's the bible like if you know what the what all of the things in the old testament are doing and how that leads into the life and ministry of jesus you'd be like look if that it's here it's here it's here it's pretty awesome it's pretty awesome and it would take way less time for you to read your Bible than to watch all of the Marvel movies all that many times, okay? The amount of dedication that you have to your craft just applies to Jesus, baby. Let's get it. When was the last time you read the Old Testament? Now, there's a lot of people that say, ah, the Old Testament, that, that was back in the day. It's not really relevant to us anymore. Oh, my goodness. There's so much beauty and richness there that we need. And if you want to grasp the power of God's word, look at the Old Testament. We want to teach God's word. That's what Jesus did. That's what we want to do too. Now, we have all scripture available to us. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scriptures God breathed and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. And the best way that we can give each other care the way that we can love each other and care for one another, the way that Jesus calls us to, is by reminding each other of God's word. Now, it's not, hey, I heard you're going through a, through a tough thing. Take two John 3.16s and we'll see you in the morning. It's not like a prescription, right? But it is, I know, I know what this word says because I read it for myself. And I know your situation because I love you and I care for you. And so when I share something with you, I know that it's something that's going to be meaningful. I know that it's something that's going to be impactful. I've been thinking about you. I've been praying about you. Here's a verse that I think might speak to your situation. Do you know someone that's hurting today? As you pray for them, could you encourage them with God's word? Parents, do you share scripture with your kids? Do you text them on their phone or write on the whiteboard over by the kitchen scripture that they could see the power and the authority and the relevancy of God's word in their life, that you would minister that to them? Do you share scripture with your adult kids or with your grandkids? Are you ministering the word of God and caring for people in a powerful way? Husbands, do you pray scripture with and for and over your wife? Setting a foundation for your home that is built on the word of God. Do you pray for your little kids before they go to bed? And do you pray scripture over them? Do you pray for your, for your children's future spouse? That they would know who Jesus is. That they would be protected. That they would find their refuge in God. Wives, do you help and encourage your husband by praying scripture over them, by sharing scripture, what you're learning in God's word with them? Oh my goodness, every single word in here is profitable and needed and should be and can be used to love and care for people. It's what Jesus did. He goes around to the different places of worship and he says, yeah, look at this, it points to me. And when we look at scripture together, we point people to Jesus. So we want to teach God's word. The second thing, we want to share hope. That's what Jesus did. We love and care for each other by sharing the good news of Jesus. Look at what he does. He's in the synagogues in verse 23. He's teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming 
the gospel of the kingdom. He's proclaiming the good news of the kingdom to the people. He came with that message, and that message was good news. It says, hey, the culmination of all the promises of the Old Testament. He said just a little while earlier, as his ministry started, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Turn to me because I'm here now. Turn to me because my kingdom is better. It's best. And turn to me because I'm inviting you in. I know you and I'm inviting you in. And our calling as disciples, as followers of Jesus, is to watch him, emulate him, live it out. And as Jesus spoke about his kingdom, so we share the hope of King Jesus to anyone willing to listen. You know, I thought about it this week. And so I'll ask you, who is in your life that you are sure would not want to listen to the good news of Jesus? And how do you know? Oh, when I started kind of going through that list of people, when I went through my phone and started looking at people, I was like, oh yeah, they wouldn't. That was me assuming. As I went through my phone, there was one person that indirectly told me that they did not want to hear the good news of Jesus. It was a family member who went and told another family member, and then that family member kind of came and told me, hey, stop sharing the gospel with them. It bugs them. Who is in your life that needs the hope of Jesus? I, I bet that they're more willing to hear the good news than you think. Everyone is looking for hope in something, and we have the answer. Real hope is found in Jesus. And yeah, I, I, we just talked about a card, and I would love for you to come, and I would love for you to invite a friend, but, but this is not sharing hope in Jesus. This is inviting someone to a service where maybe they'll, you know, Lord willing, they're going to hear about hope in Jesus all the, over and over and over again. But what I'm talking about is you actually going to your friend and having a gospel Jesus-centered conversation with them. Does that sound hard? Like, does some of you guys, like, your stomach turned a little bit, kind of thinking through that? It can be challenging to talk about that stuff. It can be scary or intimidating to share faith and hope in Jesus with others, especially when it's loved ones, because it's like, oh, like, what if they reject me? What if they don't want to hear it? What if it causes a fight? What if things get weird? What if, what if, what if? Kind of go through that whole thing. I, I reached out to a member here, Doug Tilford, uh, and I asked him, because he's passionate about sharing hope, uh, sharing the hope of the gospel with people that don't know Jesus yet. And, and I asked him, I said, what do you do when you're scared? What, what would you say to someone who feels like they don't have the right words or they don't know what to say? And he said, trust God and do it. Because like enter, enter into the gospel conversation with someone. You're not going to have the right answer, so don't worry about it. Trust God. He'll give you the right words to say. When you don't know something, say, I don't know, but I'd love to talk with you about it some more. Why don't we dig into it together? Uh, like the whole, like kind of the, the message that he said over and over was like, have a conversation. And I love that. Gospel conversions will always start with gospel conversations. And so what would it look like for you to have a gospel conversation with someone? Who is in your life that needs hope as you, as you look through your phone? In fact, I want you to get your phone out now. Go ahead and get your phone out now. And I want you to look through your phone and find a person that you love and that you care for. They're in your phone, right? That you love and care for that doesn't know Jesus yet. I'm serious. We're doing this right now. And I want you to text them. I want you to text them. And I want you just to tell them, hey, I'm thinking about you and I love you. And give them a reason why. 
thinking about you. I care about you. This is why. And leave it there. Start the conversation with them and then eventually get to the spot where you just say, hey, I love you, but God loves you a lot more than I love you. Could you get there? Oh my goodness, guys, we have eternity changing news. Jesus didn't stop. Jesus goes to all of these different places, all of the different regions and says, hey, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, turn to me. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. We have that same good news. We've had our lives changed. I'm, I'm, if you have been, if you've put your faith in Jesus, if you have your life changed with Jesus, why wouldn't we pass that on to someone else? Someone that you deeply love and care for, for different various reasons. You love and care for them. Share your heart with them. Jesus did. Eventually, he got killed for it. I'm not saying that it's going to happen to us. We may find some rejection. We may find apathy. We may find excuses, all of that. But we have shared hope. And Jesus did time and time again throughout his ministry. Third thing that we see, Jesus taught God's word. He shared hope by sharing the good news of the gospel. And then the third thing is that he met needs. If we want to love and care for people, we will meet people's practical needs. It says Jesus went throughout all Galilee. He's teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of king, uh, the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. And we've got some serious things that are going on in here. There's some challenging situations. Brought him all the sick, verse 24, those afflicted with various diseases and pain, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures, paralytics, he healed them. Jesus provided a ministry of mercy to sick people, rejected people, outcast people, hurting people, challenging people, difficult people. And he said, yeah, I'm... I'm right here. We, we've seen that ministry model copied by Christians ever since. When missionaries go to a foreign land, when they are trying to love and care for people with the good news of the gospel, the way that you do it is you say, who are the underserved people in this area? So like in Nepal, it'll be start an orphanage where children aren't valued as much, where children aren't cared for, where people will be cast off. Okay, yeah, we'll start an orphanage where we're going to love underserved children where where you might start a language you know it might be a language learning program it might be a ministry for people that have special physical needs whatever you can do to love and care for people in that time so that they know practically that you love them and care for them welcome in loving and hurting and broken people love the outcast love the orphan love the rejected Henty's over in the other room right now teaching our middle school and high school students, and he's talking about James 1, 27, just be beautiful religion. That religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction. We show the love of Christ best when we don't run away from hurting people, but when we just care for them. Jesus loved and cared for people he meets people where they're at, and he meets their needs. And I don't know about you, but I, I want to make an impact for the kingdom. I want, I want Jesus' name to be lifted up. I want Jesus' name to, to grow. And if we're going to do that, we need to meet needs. How can we do that at Hope? 
Well, it's a thing that we've been praying through as we've kind of gotten settled into this space and, you know, we've, we've done the remodel, the furniture's in the right place and stuff. So now it's time to start saying hi to the neighbors. Isn't that how that works? And so we are trying to get to know the, the ministries that are in the area that are trying to love and care for underserved, the forgotten, the outcast people within our community. One of, the, one of them, we're, they're friends right now. We're just kind of getting into relationship with them is the Pregnancy Resource Center. It's over on Colby, right over by Totem Diner. And we've gotten to know them. We've got to tour their facility, hearing what they're doing and how they're loving young women that are going through a really, really like life-altering time in their life regardless of how they got there, right? They're in a difficult patch. And so that, that ministry provides holistic, but Christ-centered, gospel-centered care. And it's really cool to hear what they're doing. So we're just trying to get to know those types of ministries and see how we can partner with them and love them and encourage them. Maybe in a few weeks, we'll have some more news about that. So we're trying to think about that as a church. What does that look like for you though? You know, again, as you're kind of rolling through your phone, maybe it's even that person that you texted, like, is there a need that they have that you could meet? Are there practical needs that are in your community group or in the people that are in your life that you're like, you know what, that is something that I could, I could give some help for. I could pray for that more consistently. I could meet a need there practically. Jesus taught the word of God. He proclaimed the good news of the kingdom, and then he met needs for people. And what was the result of that? Well, it says that Jesus's fame spreads throughout all Syria and to where they're bringing people from out of town to come and meet Jesus. That in Galilee, Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, beyond the Jordan, north, south, east, west the, is the great sea. So like from everywhere around, Jesus's name is getting known and people are coming to find Jesus. And if we do something like this, here's what I don't want. I, I don't want Hope's name to get big. Don't care about that at all. But I do want Jesus' name to get big. I do want Jesus' name to be lifted up, for him to be exalted, for him to be worshipped, and for him to be praised. That's where it should go. Three things that'll happen if we follow the ministry of Jesus. If we follow the ministry model of Jesus. If we love and welcome messy people in, here's what will happen. First thing, messy people will come. Jesus came to minister to the sick, and so more sick people came. And how do I know that? Because I came to Jesus. And you came to Jesus. Jesus loves people when they are hurting and when they are broken, and he invites them in. And we have, if you have faith in Jesus, you are a beneficiary of that. We are all a mess and we're all in process. We all feel stress. We deal with pain and loss. We have experienced need, whether it be physical, emotional, every single one of us has expressed and has felt spiritual need. Even if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you're expressing it by being here. We have all admitted that we do not have things together and Jesus doesn't run or hide or say, that's too messy. That's too complicated. He goes, no, I'm, I'm here and I'm ready and I'm ready to help. He has loved us. So messy people will come if we love people like this. Messy people will find hope. Jesus gave help and hope to hurting people. And the people came to Jesus with what was hard, and he didn't back away. I have a, I have a sheet of paper uh, that is a very, very important sheet of paper that I look at all the time. It's the roster of our community groups. 
So it's all the families, uh, adults and kids of the people that are in our community groups. We have 127 adults in our 12 community groups right now. Uh, if you add up the kids, it's like over 210. If you're not in a community group, it's the place where you're going to be loved and cared for. It's the place where you're going to grow in your faith, uh, where you're going to find real and eternal hope in Jesus in real time. We've got a map out there. We'd love to have you get plugged into one. Uh, they're all open. Find one that's close to your house. Jump in. We would love to have you be involved. But as I look at that group of people, and as I, and as I pray through that group of people, which we do every month as elders, um, I, I, this week I went through and I just started highlighting or marking people that I know are going through a difficult circumstance, people that are hurting. And by hurting, I mean like something that they're facing directly is hard or someone in their family's facing something hard where if I talk to them about it for long enough, they'd start crying working through that situation. And as I went through, I was just like, just highlighting and highlighting, highlighting, like over 60% of the names. I was like, yep, I know that that's hard. Yep, I know that they're hurting. Yep, I know that that's going on. And then the 40% was, I was like, man, I probably need to take them out to coffee. I don't, I just don't know their story yet. We're all hurting. We're all going through difficult things. I, I mean, right now at Hope, we've got conflict at work like a deep conflict at work that requires prayer, difficult conversations that have to happen. We've got some very, we've got some marriages that are in rough and that are in rough spots here. We've got family, we've got some family dynamics that are really, really challenging. Uh, we have people that are physically sick and hurting in some serious ways or have family that are hurting, like really, really hurting in serious ways. Like stuff's hard here. We are rejoicing and weeping at the same time all the time at Hope. Because Romans 12, 15 says, Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. And if you are here today and you are working through some difficult things, just a, a couple things I want to say with you. One, I, we love you. And, 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 and we are praying for the thing that is going on in your life that is so hard. And I wish that it was not going on, but it is and I want you to know that we love you. The second thing is I'm sorry because we have likely let you down in our care for you. Like either by lack of ability, lack of resources, lack of follow through, through we've fallen short. We have not cared for you as well as we can. I'm sorry. And third, if I'm going to be honest, um, we will continue to let you down. I, I, I don't say that as like, I'm not like happy to say that. It breaks my heart to say that we will not care for you the way that we are supposed to. Um, I, we are not perfect. I don't say that as an excuse. As elders, as staff, as community group leaders, like our, our role is to know, lead, and care for people and to, and to love them well. And, and we are all messing that up all the time. Because we're messes ourselves. The goal is that as much as we can, that we would care for you. And that is my biggest privilege as a pastor, as an elder here at Hope, to know the things that you're going through, to pray for you, to, to get the privilege to care for you in that. There's no, there's no greater privilege. There's nothing better. And it's also my biggest pain point as a pastor. Because I know the things that many of you are going through and I'm trying to care for you and I, and I know that I'm not doing nearly a good enough job to care for you. 
uh, I was talking with a pastor and he was installed. It was a long time ago. He was installed at this small little church and he, um, and he goes up, he's so excited. It's his first ministry post and, and he gets announced and introduced to the congregation. And there's a group of pastors that are there too. And there's a lot of hugging and high fives and slapping, you know, slapping on the backs and things like that. And then one pastor comes up to him and just goes, your pastor now learn to live with regret. He just walks away. It's like, what? It's like today, you're going to say that today, right? But as the pastor thought through that, and as he shared that story with me, he was like, you know, he's absolutely right. Because every single day, as a shepherd of people, when you love and care for people, you're confronted with the fact that you haven't, that you haven't done it perfectly. That there are things that you've said or things that you've forgotten or emails that you've missed or things that you wanted to say that you didn't or things that you said improperly or whatever, where you've just messed up and you have to wear that. And it's true. So for, if you're going through something hard, I love you. We love you at Hope. We are sorry for the lack of care or the imperfect care that we have tried to give you. And, and, I'm, and, and I'm saying a future sorry because we'll mess up later too. But Jesus doesn't. This church will let you down, guaranteed, but Jesus never will. Jesus, uh, we talk about no leading and caring. Jesus knows your situation perfectly. I don't. Jesus knows it perfectly, comprehensively. I, I, will, me I will mess up in leading you in the proper way to go because I'm, I don't know what to do. But Jesus knows the perfect way to go and he will work out the situation for your good. And, and, and just being honest, I don't care for you enough. Because I'm a mess myself. But Jesus, in his perfect love, cares for you and meets you in your deepest, darkest hurts, meets you in your sin, meets you in your pain and says, I'm right here and I'm going to care for you. Messy people, last thing, messy people, if we're going to love and care for people the way that Jesus does, messy people are going to follow Jesus. Messy people will come they will experience real hope in real time, and then they will follow Jesus. The, the disciples are in this story. They're not mentioned, but they're in the background, right? They just said yes to following Jesus. They're kind of walking around, walking behind him, like in a little bit of a line. They're walking around all the regions of Galilee too, and they're watching what Jesus is doing. They're taking notes. They're asking questions. They're fighting in the background, doing the whole thing. And and one, what they saw really challenged their thinking because it wasn't the well-off people that Jesus was drawn to to try to reach. It was the people that normally you'd have to clean yourself after spending time with them. Or you'd be embarrassed if you were caught spending time with them. And Jesus like, no, I'm going there. Jesus went after the people that knew, with it, that, knew that they were a mess up. And maybe that's you today. Maybe you're here today and you're just like, yeah, I do not have it together. Good. Welcome in. <laughs> Maybe it was something big that you did and it's known and it's public and it's like, oh man, like I did that. Everyone knows about it. And now I feel like, like I'm, I'm, I'm not good enough anymore. I'm an outcast. Maybe no one knows what you've done, but you know, and you've got that mask on and it looks really nice, but like inside and in your heart, you know the things that you've been up to. You know the things that you've been looking at or that you've been saying or that you've been doing that people haven't caught you for yet. 
So you look like everything's fine, but inside you're like, I, I do not belong here. Maybe there's, maybe there's things that are going on with your body, physical limitations, where you're moving slower than you were before. There's something not firing right with your brain right now. There's something that's going on where you just feel like you're constantly less than. Jesus knows all of that perfectly, and he says, yeah, I'm right here. He knows your sin. He knows your struggle. He knows your pain. He knows your weakness. He knows your various diseases and your various afflictions. And he goes, I'm, I'm here to love you. And even with our deepest need, our hearts, our soul, the thing that we really need, the greatest miracle, Jesus offers change for that too. He says, you can have eternal relationship with me. We love you here. Jesus loves you a ton more knows you perfectly, has shown through this process that he loves you with his words, that he invites you into relationship with him, and that he offers help to you today. So what's the thing that's hard? What's the thing that you need Jesus for? Let's go to him now and let's talk to him. Let's pray. Just take, a, just take a minute just to give God your situation. If it's sin, bring it out into the light. If it's struggle and pain, present it to him again. Go to the Lord in prayer. Next, I want you to think about someone that you deeply love and care for. Maybe it's someone that you texted just a little while ago. What's hard in their life? What's challenging for them? Take that to the Lord in prayer. Well, God, we come before you just admitting that we need help. God, that we are not sufficient in and of ourselves, that we're broken and we're hurting people and we need you. And God, thank you for the reminder from your word that that's exactly where you meet us. You meet us in our pain. God, I'm so thankful that you met me in my biggest hurt when I felt most rejected, uh, when I felt most guilty that you met me there and loved me. And God, I pray for my friends that are here that you would do the same with them. God, if there's someone here that doesn't know you yet, God, I pray that they would be overwhelmed by the invitation. And that today would be the day that they put their faith in you. God, we love you, and we're so thankful for your son, Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.